Hello there, and welcome to Tales of Discovery, science stories for young people. This story is about food and how we can make it last. It's a little bit about Antarctic explorers, and a little bit about the French army, and a little bit about a man named Appert. Have you ever eaten tinned spaghetti? What about baked beans? I don't much like baked beans, but I like to eat spaghetti on toast with cheese as a special treat for lunch. Imagine you're going to get yourself some spaghetti and toast for lunch. You get some bread out of a bag and put it in the toaster. You get a block of cheese out of the refrigerator and get a grater. Be careful, they can be sharp. Ah, mustn't forget the spaghetti. You go to the cupboard and rummage around between the colourful metal cylinders. Aha, there's the spaghetti. You take it back to the bench and get the can opener from the drawer. You... Or maybe your mum or dad, open the handles of the can opener and close it around the top of the can, then start turning the handle. It's so convenient having all of these foods in cans. How long has that tin of spaghetti been in your cupboard? Days? Months? A year? And I bet it's exactly the same as it was when it was first put in there. Have you ever wondered how food stays the same? Imagine eating some freshly cooked spaghetti that had been sitting on the kitchen bench for a few months. I bet that wouldn't taste so good. We put so many things in tins and jars and bottles these days that it's hard to think about a time when we didn't have that technology. But we actually didn't have much of an idea of how to make things last for a very long time, until about 1810. But why does food need to be preserved? Have you ever seen a piece of fruit that started to go a bit fuzzy? Things start to grow on it and sometimes you can see them. Now... I want you to think back in time with me, to 1749, over 250 years ago, before your grandmother's 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 grandmother was even born. Back then, when people wanted to keep food for a long time, they had to bury it in piles of salt, or keep it in ice, or put it in vinegar. They weren't quite sure of the science behind why doing these things made food last longer without making them sick, but it worked depending on how much you like pickled cabbage. The food was safe to eat, but it didn't always taste the best. In 1749, a boy was born, and his name was Nicholas. Nicholas Appert. Nicholas's dad was an innkeeper, and inns being places where you go to sit and eat and drink. Nicholas was around food from before he was as old as you are. He was pretty interested in food and how to prepare it and to preserve it, and as he didn't have the option of going to school... He got to spend a lot of time learning about food and drink. Nicholas eventually got the hang of most of the things that he could learn at the inn, so he set off to learn more, and he went to a fancy hotel to learn how to be a chef and how to be a confectioner and make sweet pastries and lollies and all sorts of delicious things that you really shouldn't eat too many of. Nicholas moved to Paris, and people came from everywhere to come and eat his wonderful creations. While he was living in Paris, Nicholas heard of a challenge set by the Emperor of France. In 1795, the French army were getting a bit worried. The troops were getting sick because they couldn't carry fresh food with them onto the battlefield, and you can't very well live on biscuits forever. 
the commander decided that enough was enough, and offered a reward of quite a lot of money to the person who could figure out how to keep food good for the soldiers to eat. Well, Nicholas thought that might be a fun challenge to solve. He didn't have training as a scientist, but he did have training as a chef, and he figured out a solid scientific way of testing food-preserving methods. After 14 long years of testing and testing and testing and testing, Nicholas presented his invention to the French army. He had taken a glass bottle and filled it with food. He tried all sorts of different types of food. He then sealed the top of the bottle using a cork and put the bottle in boiling water for ages to cook the food while it was in there. Once the bottle was taken out of the water, he covered the cork with wax to make sure it was really well sealed. He tried over 70 different types of food in this process, from vegetables to meat to milk, just to make sure it worked. And it did. To be sure, some types of food don't taste as good once they've been boiled for ages, but they weren't going to make people sick anymore. Well, the French army were very impressed, and Nicholas won the money, but they still weren't certain why the process worked. Someone thought that maybe the air was what made the food go off, so if you don't let any more air near the food, it should stay good. But that doesn't explain why the boiling is important. Back in the day, they didn't really know what made us sick. It was a mystery. How about we solve that mystery together, you and I? For hundreds and hundreds of years, most people thought it was poisonous vapours in the air that made people ill. About 500 years ago, some very clever people started doing experiments to see if it really could be vapours that made us and plants and animals sick. Now, clue number one. There was a fellow who put a bit of meat in a container with nothing able to get in and left one piece of meat out in the open. The meat which was exposed to the air had squirmy, wormy maggots start to live in it and flies grew from the maggots. The meat which was in a sealed container had no maggots. Because of this, we know that maggots don't just grow from meat. Flies have to be able to get near the meat to lay the eggs to grow the maggots to make more flies. So, they knew that people got diseases, and they knew that things like maggots didn't just appear out of thin air. They had to come from somewhere, like from fly eggs. There weren't a lot of ways for people to show that anything other than vapours could cause diseases, because for a long time there was no such thing as a microscope. The people who developed an improved microscope started to see tiny little organisms noodling around in pond water. Organisms so small, they couldn't be seen without the microscope. This was clue number two. Now they knew for certain that there are tiny living things that are too small for us to see. So I guess, if you think about it, the things that can get into food and make us sick, or make food go bad, they could be so small that we can't see them. It took until Nicholas had started preserving food in jars for someone to really nut this out. It's easy for you and I to think about it, because we already know about germs and what they can do. But Nicholas didn't. Inspired by Nicholas's discovery, people started to put the clues together. It took 50 years to figure it out, but figure it out they did. After someone had noticed that people seemed to get diseases after touching or eating things that had been near poo or waste they started to put the clues together. They figured out that there are tiny germs called bacteria, which love food just as much as we do. But when bacteria try to eat food, the waste left behind isn't very good for us, and can look and taste a bit funny. 
And when the bacteria find the food to eat, they can multiply. So you get lots and lots of bacteria, and eating the bacteria is not very good for us either. These bacteria are really, really tiny, so we definitely can't see them without a microscope. When we touch things that they're on, sometimes they come off onto us. So if there's a pile of rubbish and you put your hand in it, wash it quickly afterwards, because there are probably lots of bacteria on you. I don't know about you, but I certainly don't like hot weather very much. It can get very uncomfortable. And if we get too hot, it's not very good for us. Being heated to 100 degrees Celsius would be very, very hot and really, really bad for us. And it turns out it's not very good for bacteria either, and it kills them. A man called Louis Pasteur figured out that when Nicholas had put food into sealed jars and made it really hot, he had managed to kill whatever bacteria were already in the food, and to stop any more from getting in, at least until you open the jar. With no bacteria in the jar with the food, there was nothing to eat away at it and make it unhealthy for us. Now, jump forward to the present day in your tin of spaghetti. It's not a bottle with a cork in the top and wax on top of that, but it's still the same process that went into Nicholas's food. We've been canning food for a while now, and it works really well. All you have to do is put it in a sealed container and heat it up. Explorers who went looking for the North and South Poles a hundred years ago took food in cans with them. When people went back to explore very recently, they picked up some of the old cans which were unopened and brought them back to the laboratory for testing. And guess what? The food was still safe. It didn't look very nice, but no bacteria had grown in it and made it spoil. We're getting really good at canning food these days. Far from using cork and wax to seal glass containers that break easily and are very heavy, we seal metal containers using metal. And some of them you don't even need something special to open them with, with a bit of help from your finger and the ring pull, of course. Cans have become lighter and cheaper and easier to make and easier to open and more recyclable. But we mustn't forget Nicholas Appere, the innkeeper's son who started it all. Thanks for the spaghetti, Nicholas. That's all for this episode of Tales of Discovery. Follow me on Facebook or SoundCloud to make sure you don't miss the next episode. If you've got a request or a suggestion for a great story, let me know in the comments. Till next time.